Just like every good adventure, ours starts right here at the Dimension Door Tavern. Hello listeners, welcome to this week's adventure at the Dimension Door Tavern. We are your hosts, Jonathan and Allison. Today we have as our guest, Morgan. Welcome, Hello. Morgan. We're yeah. so glad to have you. Absolutely, yeah. Glad we to are be here. So, we're so excited to have you. I'm glad you're glad. Um, so a little bit of intro about Morgan. She is one of my former uh, players for the campaign I was running. And uh, she was just so awesome all the time. Always, She always did her best to make it there, even though it was a far drive for her. And um, she was just just super awesome to play with and just a great, great character builder. Love, love the way she built her characters. Um, but yeah, glad to have you, Morgan. Thank you. And all, thank you for the nice compliments. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the last you'll get for now. But I know, probably. Yeah, probably. Um, he doled them out sparingly. <laughs> very sparingly, <laughs> as you well know. I'll just reciprocate the favor. What's that? I'll just reciprocate the favor. Oh, okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Um, So first question I have. During our campaign, you revealed to me that you have a thing for candy. Oh. (laughs) I actually, sitting right next to me, I have our bags of candy still. Oh, that's what I was going to ask. I was like, so... You told me that you are like the destroyer of candy. So on your last session with us, I gave you a big bag of candy. And I was wondering if it was gone yet or not. But All the Tootsie Pops are gone. We're, we're, we've attacked those first. Um, we're probably about halfway done with this bag and a third way wow. done with this bag. So uh, a lot of Skittles were eaten, a lot of Reese's and Milky Ways. So it has definitely gone to good use. We've had to hide it in our bedroom to keep it away from the child. <laughs> <laughs> keep it away from the child. Yes. And has it caused any rifts between you and Ryan? No, there's enough candy to go around that it is okay. not a problem. Well, the Tootsie Pops did. That was there wasn't enough Tootsie Pops for us, but everything else, everything else is fine. The Great War of Tootsie Pops. <laughs> I know. I how many times have I told him no, we need a bag of Tootsie Pops because I'm just craving one from in this bag. Speaking of children and candy, um, my understanding you teach in your classroom. Does your love of candy translate into your room as rewards or? Um, I do do candy. Passion. Yeah, so I do do candy as a reward, but I do it sparingly because children plus candy equals chaos. Um, so if they do it, like they get to do store every week, so I have some candy options for them and. I found out never let them eat their candy from the store until they're at recess because that was a hot mess mm. express. Um, <laughs> but I let them have like a sucker if they if they earned it or something. Um, but I definitely have a candy drawer in my desk that I sneak into <laughs> during lunches and everything. Nice. They go a little bit smoother. That's awesome. I feel like candy would be a good idea for like the last class of the day. 
Mm-hmm. That way, all the energy is spent when they go back to the parents. Oh, no. The yeah. poor bus drivers. <laughs> well, I did. Oh. I was taught a trick the other day. I had treats that were brought in for a birthday, and I gave them their treats right before lunchtime. And I said, here you go. Go burn off your energy. And they're like, why can't we do it before? I'm like, no, we're going to do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going to do this right now and only now. Yes. No other time is acceptable during the day. You are going right before lunchtime. That's hilarious. Hilarious. Um, so I'm curious about D&D with you. Mm-hmm. What, what got you started into D&D? Um, it was actually kind of a salty way that I got into D&D. Um, my ex was into it and I was really intrigued by it all. And I thought it was so cool. And I watched him and his group play and I was like, this is D&D. There's no board because he did like online-ish kind of. And I thought it was so cool. And, I, and he introduced me to WoW. And then when we broke up, I kind of realized that he was not so cool and that I really didn't like him and the way that his friends had played. But I had, he also got me into Critical Role, and so I was like, well, they weren't playing very well. Like, their games were really janky, and, like, their players were always very flaky, and it kind of was, like, not a very good first representation of D&D. But once I was by myself, and I had all this time in my hands, I had no one else to hang out with, I was like, I'll put on Critical Role. And so I put it on, and then I was crying to myself because I was all lonely because I had no one to hang out with. And so my mom texted me and she's like, why don't you get involved in some group? Like go find an art group, go find a workout group, go find something. And I was like, well, you know, I've, I've always been kind of interested in D&D. Like I've always kind of, you know, had a hankering for it ever since I watched my ex play it. And so I was like, as salty as what I am about it, and as much as I don't want to enjoy anything that <laughs> involved him, I was like, I'll do it. So I went on Facebook and I put it out there and um, I met someone that like right away that was willing to um, teach me how to play and everything. And I ended up becoming really good friends with them. And actually that's how I met my boyfriend is through them. Um, Yeah. So this was literally this time last year. We went from sweet to salty and then back to sweet again. Yeah. It's been like this roller coaster with D and D. Well, the other thing too, is it's salty too, because those people that I, that I met my boyfriend through ended up being not so great people either. And so Ended up having oh. falling out with them, so I lost them, but I still have my boyfriend, so there we go. Well, that's good. At least you got something out of it, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I learned a lot, too, and I had a lot of fun with them. Like, they actually showed me what true D&D is, and right. so it's like that helped me find good groups to play in and want to stay in good groups. But, um, yeah, it was there was, some, there was some give, there was some take with, with my entry to D&D. Now... That group, was that the group you had right before you joined our group? Or yes. was there other groups? Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm curious to know, like, how did those experiences, because I reached out to you on Facebook, just total cold call. You didn't know who I was or anything mm-hmm. like that. What was your reaction? Could you, it sounds like you were kind of burned through D&D a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now you have this new group reaching out to you. What was your reaction So we we didn't have our falling out just yet. Things were kind of mm-hmm. shaky. And it was like, there was a lot of, it wasn't even just D&D related. It was like all kinds, we were best friends. Like we were, we did a a lot of stuff together. There was a lot of complicated intertwined stuff going on. So a lot of the falling out was more of that outside the game friendship stuff. And uh, so that was kind of on the rocks. Like we started noticing some cracks in the friendship. And that's when I started kind of going back out and reaching out for other games. Cause there was just something in me that was like, 
I don't fully trust these people and I don't want everything to be gone and like have to start anew and everything. So I'm like, I'm just going to try to branch out, see if I can get into some other games, see if maybe I can have some like buffer and our friendship will work out or whatever. Eventually it didn't, but it was kind of a relief knowing that although I was in two campaigns with them, although that those games were over, I still had a game that I was invested in. Nice. Yeah. And that's ultimately why you left our group is because you just started hating everyone in there. And exactly. Started... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought everyone was, was terrible. <laughs> Your DM was a jerk. Absolutely. He made up all kinds of rules and killed everyone. And yeah. I killed you multiple times. Well, that's true. I mean, I kind of wanted to die, though. They're one of my characters. That's so. fair. Yeah. yeah. I love through <laughs> I love through all of these like circumstances, you it's almost like you learned and like took the good away from each point where you're like, hey, like had a relationship. Well, that didn't work out, but the good that came out of it was my love for D D. And then using that, you come into this next group where you're like okay, my love for D&D is starting to flourish. We're growing here. I've now gained like a new friend network. And then it's realizing like, oh, okay, this, this isn't quite working out, but it, you know, I still gained a relationship out of this. And, and so it's almost like all along the way, I love that you're learning um, like through each phase of the relationships or the turn of events and still managing to pull out whatever the best part of it was, whatever was positive about that experience and move that forward with you. Yeah. I mean, that's the way that I do a lot of things in life. Like as much as I, you know, say that my sixth graders are wearing me down, there are so many positives about this school year that I love. And so it's this, it applies to pretty much everything in my life. Like there's negativity in everything. You're never going to find anything that's a hundred percent perfect and amazing. Um, and so it's like, as long as you can see the good and the good outweighs the bad, or like, if you just stay positive, something is bound to work out. Like, that's just kind of how I go living my life and just, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just stay positive, just keep finding the good and everything. Because also then it like, it puts you in a bad mood. And I, I, I'm very guilty of holding grudges and staying in, with that negativity and holding on to all that negative energy from those experiences but it only makes me feel worse. So it's like, I have to consciously remind myself, what good did you get out of it? What's the good in this situation? That's very, that. yeah, I love that. And it's very interesting hearing you talk about that. And that's something I, you know, I never really noticed about you, but I did notice about your characters that you would play. Mm-hmm. Like when we look at, um, as Tara, she was in a very, difficult situation and though she didn't always see the best side of it she always had this tenacity to her this steel to her that she was always moving forward no matter what Mm -hmm. and um that's really how much of that do you think came from your own personality or were you really just did you consciously make that decision to make her that way or was it just because of that's who you are So she was like the big baddie that I wanted to be, that I'd want to be in the world, that I couldn't be in the world because we're not allowed to smash uh, countertops at stores with giant axes. That's just not allowed. But with her, it's just frowned on and does have real life consequences. The police don't like it very much. (laughs) 
Um, but they sure she was, do get mad angry. <laughs> they do. They do. And I don't think walking around with my giant battle axe would be a very good thing either. Not in the school. Um, definitely not. Yeah, right? Um, but no, with her, I just kind of thought about what's the like most badassery thing that I could bring out of myself. And it was that that sexual succubus, mm. but also like demon flair kind of thing that she had going for her. And just the fact that like everyone was not necessarily beneath her, but that she was, she was good. She knew she was good. She knew she had talent. She knew she was flirty. And so she was going to own it no matter what. And it was kind of like that, like she knew who she was and she is here to stay. And it's like deep down, like I have those feelings, but sometimes I'm unsure. Sometimes I do things I don't necessarily want to do. But with her, it was like, nope, she, she knows exactly what she wants to do when she wants it, how she's going to do it. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Yeah. I, I had noticed that about her and I thought that that was really cool because your first character, Damaris, was kind of that, but it was like the beginning stages of that. Mm-hmm. It felt like she was, she wanted to be the big bad, but she wasn't really living it out. You know what I mean? It was more of a cocky yeah. thing rather than an ability thing. So the rebirth was kind of like permission. Yeah. Which yeah. Is, which is why I did that to you. <laughs> I was honestly very surprised. I was like, what? What is this going on right now? <laughs> he literally put you through the flames and said, just kind of kind of in the kiln almost. Yeah. Like, all right, yeah. let's see what you've got with this. Let's put you in the fire and just see the masterpiece that comes out on the other side. Yeah, so. it was it was very interesting. I was actually, that was a very creative decision. I was like, whoa, where did that come from? But once I thought about it, I was like, that's a really interesting choice. Like, that was a good call. Yeah, so for our listeners who don't know um, what we're talking about right now, do you want to explain what happened to, in our campaign, what happened to Damaris and then Azatar and how that all fleshed out? Yeah, so Damaris was an elf, a uh, ranger elf, and um, she came from this kind of high-class family, kind of like not necessarily top of the top, but she was up there. And um, she was raised in a very strict family. Her family wanted her to, to become someone of that higher noble court or someone of, of like a stature of some sort. And all she wanted to do was hunt and um, like be a, a soldier. So she would sneak out and she would practice with her bow and she would um, go through the forest as if she were trying to go through a, a battlefield and she just had this deep feeling that she wanted to be part of the action and be part of uh, a better cause. And so she eventually ran away to go follow that dream, not really knowing how or what she was going to do to achieve it. And um, she made up, she met up with the party. She was very unskilled, immature. She had really no ideals of how the world worked outside of her small little home and so she she got trapped in bush. She got trapped in all kinds of different things. Like she, we can't just gloss over that part. The bush story was the best ever. It was yeah. hilarious. So I had I had come up with like this tangle tangle bush. I, I forget the name of it, but it's basically a monster that looks like a bush. And everyone in the group was like kind of skeptical. Skeptical skeptical about it i can't even speak right now i can't even words um (laughs) and damaris being the self-assured person just like walked right up to the thing and started poking it and just like 
it engulfed her and just like <laughs> sucked her into the bush. And so you have like everyone trying to defeat this bush while she's trying to fight out of it. And so they're all beating around the bush. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're all beating around the bush. Yeah. Well, she thought she thought she was hot shit. She knew that she thought that she could, you know, traverse these terrains and she knew how to get through the forest and navigate and everything. So she knew that she could handle this bush and figure out where they needed to go. But obviously she was a little inexperienced and didn't necessarily know that. Um, she also fell into a sewage drainage ditch like twice. <laughs> oh, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. So she was just very, very clunky and very like, she, she thought that she was good. She thought that she was capable and able to do all these things. But in reality, she was just a very naive girl that had no experience whatsoever. And so she died tragically on a beach after getting hit by a cannonball multiple times. Yeah, so, multiple yeah. cannonballs. Cannonballs um, multiple times, yeah. She got yeah. her arms blown off and her legs and the side Gross. of her torso was blown off. So she died very tragically. She died very tragically. And I... That was one of the moments where, okay, so I know our players are going to be listening as well, and I don't want to, like, rag on them, but I was kind of disappointed in the group a little bit because, like, here you were, and I know you were, like, you had a propensity to go off on your own, do your own thing, and not not always be a team player um, as far as your character-wise. You as a person were fantastic, but... Um, but you were out there on the beach all alone and everyone just kind of dispersed and found hiding and no one really like paid attention to where you were doing. Well, that's not technically true. I was revived. I was revived and then left on the desert to die again. again. Yeah. Yeah. You were revived. And then as soon as they were revived, I was thinking like, okay, they've had all, because we ended the session with you being killed. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, next session, they've had a whole week to think about this. They're going to revive her. They're going to help her get to safety. All this is going to happen. They come up, they revive you, and then they just ditch you again. They just leave you on the open beach still. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, this cannon's about to fire again. Like, And she's the only target right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I think she had, like, negative 46 hit points or something by the time that she died or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. There was, like parks left mm-hmm. um, yeah they like buried my arm or something like that or yeah. i don't know um, uh, buried your arm yeah but i mean from that i mean and oh. if i'm being totally honest like outside of the character i wanted her to die just because i kept getting so annoyed with how naive she was and how unskilled she was and so and with her for some reason i kept rolling horribly too so it just added insult to injury so i was like okay this character just needs to die so I wasn't too upset about it. Um, and that's when Azatara came in and I was after I had built her before the session and I was really excited to use her because I was first time using a blood hunter, first time being a tiefling. Like I had this yeah. really dark and crazy story for her. And when she finally got to come into play, I was like, yes, like I get to use her now since my other useless character died. <laughs> I'm curious to know, like, you wanted her to die, mm-hmm. but what was what was your expectation of who she would be when you made her and how she actually ended up playing? Because obviously you liked her when you made her mm-hmm. and I played her more. You're like, oh, my goodness, I really just don't like this character. Yeah. So I didn't necessarily like the ranger, t- um, ranger class. I was like, mm-hmm. eh, I kind of like more 
melee hand to hand. So that part, once I started playing, was like, okay, this isn't totally for me. But then, like I said, for some reason, I just kept rolling really, really bad with her. And I was like, I, I don't know what is wrong with my dice. Like, they're not weighted. There's nothing wrong with them. And so that's how she got trapped in the bush. That's how she got trapped in the sewer. That's how she, you know, missed all of her shots that she tried taking. It's like, she was just such a bad rolled character that it was just like, at that point, I just, that was her, that was her character. No matter if I rolled well or not, the group would be like, wow, surprisingly, you actually did something correct for once. And it was like, oh, wow. <sighs> yeah. Her aura of naivety just came, it just, like, really yeah. showed through in how exceptionally poor the roles were. Yeah. I, I can say, I've been playing D&D for several years, and I've never seen a character's roles, like a player's dice rolls, match up so perfectly with how the character was designed to well, not even how the character was designed to be, but how the her character was played as, you know, you had her as this, like, cause you, you created this person who was supposed to be like naive, but you know, self self-assured of herself. And then that, that was totally played out in the roles of the dice. And I've never seen someone who gets so many fails <laughs> and it actually worked for their character and not intentionally that way. Yeah. I mean, even her death, her death saves too. Just she just died. Like yeah. there was no. There was, I think I had like maybe two uh, successes, but like five failures or something like that, just because of how many negative hit points she had. So yeah, it was it was kind of crazy how it just it kind of like encompassed itself. And I wasn't. I was planning on making her have like her moment of aha, like I'm strong, I can do this, but. The cards just weren't there. The rolls just weren't in her favor to have that kind of um, rebirth into a stronger person. I'm curious, you as you gave some backstory about your character, um, Damaris, you, you kind of touched on the sense of what her family expectations were and mm-hmm. what like her true heart, her true desires were. Do you feel like that mirrored your personal character in life at all? Um, kind of. I, I kind of based her off of, like, I graduated high school when I was 17 because I hated where I lived, and so I wanted to get out of there. So it was kind of the same base, but um, I really was just trying to think of something that would cause tension or, like, cause, like, something for her to uh, struggle with. And so, like, in certain places, um, I think it – I had to make her aware, like, if there were wanted posters, like, she had to kind of hide because her parents were looking for her. Um, So I just kind of added in, like, that that very base of, like, my life with that extra flavor of how can I get as much tension with this character as I can. I love that you purposely built her in this sense with almost an approach of what are her vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. Because many many characters or people I would say they they build themselves in the sense of like I'd be prepared for anything and I'm gonna be like the most super just intense and and they overpowered yeah yeah definitely and so I love that you brought in authenticity through um just those vulnerabilities in a sense and in the same way that we see that in ourselves in life yeah, I, I like that. It, it makes him more more human or not necessarily human, but more sentient, I feel like. 
like with Azatara, she was, she was badass. She was amazing. She was, she could chop things. She had this sexual succubus, very uh, alluring presence, this very self-confident. Yeah. She would smack people in the butt with their tail all the time. She was just so assured of herself. But in reality, she was very scared. And so we would have like cutaways of her in her room and she would just be crying because it took just so much of her to put on this brave face because she was actually so scared of, you know, her demonic ties. Like it was, it was hard for her to, to figure out. Wow. I, I, I don't know. Damaris seems like she was almost endearing, but to a frustrating point. <laughs> yes. And then to just have such a, an interesting dynamic with the rebirth of your character into still yourself, but some like allowing yourself or empowering yourself to be someone else who might even be truer to what your actuality is, is just, I, I feel like a very intriguing journey because I feel in sense, we do the same thing in life. We cut ourselves short. And so we have like this inner war of, of, fully owning who we are and withholding because we are either afraid to show ourselves or what people will think or, or just a multitude of other reasons why where we sell ourselves short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So true. And, you know, and so for, for the listeners out there, what happened is right after Damaris died, we brought in Azatara and it was like literally like in, in game time, there was like an hour difference between those two characters. Um, and that literally like as she died on the beach, an Azatara was coming up through the forest and actually helped with the end of the fight as well. Um, and it was so, so great. Cause um, and to be honest, I didn't even know for sure who I was going to make Azatar be when, when she brought her to me as a character, I was like, okay, this is just, I'll figure out who she's going to be. And I had thought of like, maybe she like used to be royalty. Maybe she used to be this or that. But then as I saw Azatar be played more and more, I was like, this is literally like the flip side of Damaris, <laughs> but there's so many run throughs there. It's like, so it has to be Damaris. It has to be her. And so we made it to where when Damaris died, the um, demon lord at the time, who was hunting one of the other players, Droni, um, captured her and essentially brainwashed her and brought her back as Azatara with this complete implanted memory of a different life. Wow. And... And had brought her back and pushed her back in. So she was there at the scene as a different character. And and so later on in the campaign, they defeated this lord. And the curse was broken. And so Damaris got her memories back. And at the time, another character was playing like this kind of temporary character was playing as Damaris's brother. And fighting this demon lord together. And... um, and then right there, she was like revealed to be Damaris. And it was just this whole thing that literally just left the entire group 
just like speechless for a moment of like, oh my goodness, what just happened? They're all just kind of gobsmacked. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. It that's was an awesome moment. That campaign. It was. A, yeah. It was an awesome moment. Well, they thought that I was in on it too. Like they thought that I knew who Azatar was going to turn into, but I wanted it to be a surprise. Like I didn't want to know. Yeah who she was going to oh. be. And so they were like, you were like, you were generally surprised. So it played more into the character of like, I had no idea that I was this person. I'm curious because I know you told me like, you don't really want to know who it was. You want to leave that kind of a mystery um, so that it would be real emotions there. But I'm curious to know who did you, who were you envisioning as a tar being in a past life? Um, So I kind of played around with it a little bit and I didn't really get too far into it because I didn't want to get, like, my hopes up and build, like, this amazing person mm-hmm. and then it not be that. Um, but I kind of was envis- envisioning an elf of some sort, so kind of like Dimeris. Um, and I, I was just envis- envisioning, like, like a tavern keeper or um, mm-hmm. someone who really didn't have too much of a background. Um, or, or, you know, on the flip side of that, like a war hero, like a like a ironclad she she died in honor um on the battlefield kind of thing so it's kind of like either or but i like i said i didn't really flush it out because i didn't want to get too excited and be like no i wanted this person as who she was gonna be yeah that's awesome now i do want to go back to azatar and how you're talking about um i i man i don't I don't want to take up the whole episode, but I absolutely loved your characters. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast is your characters were just so, so much fun. And as a Tara, um, so I had created for the campaign, this NPC that was like this paladin lawful, good, like goody two shoes character who would never lie. Never, never like be anything out of line. You know, he was just, always polished always proper um high society like a captain of the guard just super good and everything and then azatar came up (laughs) constantly flirted with him smacked him womanly wiles yeah the whole like smacking the tail on the butt thing and like it was just a whole thing (laughs) and um there was a moment where a party was being majorly disrupted by some other players and this paladin i created was like at this loss of like what to do because he's so used to law and order that this chaos around him he didn't know how to handle it and at least in this social gathering not not like if it was on the battlefield you know what to do um but azatar was there and she stole a kiss and um it was just this whole thing of just like breaking him down in in the best way possible getting (laughs) through that shell but it was so funny because i created this character to like not even think about love not even think about anything like that and then it was it was so funny how azatar (laughs) and i'm curious to know because i don't think i ever really asked you this but why did you constantly pick on (laughs) pick on my paladin there um at first it was because he was a stiff i was like because she was just so like um just boisterous and like i this is my world you know you're living in it kind of thing um it was like she just didn't like how how stiff he was and how proper and she was like you're just stupid like i'm just gonna mess with you because i can and because i don't like how proper you're being like lighten up dude the mud 
Yeah. And so she just, she would just flirt with him to make him uncomfortable and she would smack him on the ass to make him uncomfortable. And she would do these little things purposefully to A, get a laugh out of the group because she was trying to find her footing. B, assert that she was this dominant character. And C, just to mess with this guy, <laughs> just just out of sheer fun. Just because yeah. she could. Just because she could, she would just do it. So there was a couple of different reasons why she would do it, but it was it was all kind of fueling her. It was all selfish for her. It was all just fueling her own wants and needs. And not it never occurred to her that it would actually go into an actual relationship of what they ended up becoming. But it just it just did, and it was it was really funny watching it happen. Because like I said, I as a player didn't have any intention of making a connection between this NPC and her, but it just happened and it was hilarious. I'm curious to know at what point, cause there was a, there was a point where Azatar was just doing it to be funny, mm-hmm. and just doing it to fit in, but then she started to like purposely do it to get his attention. So what was a flip there that made the switch? I think it was, I forgot exactly where we were, what we were doing. But there was a time when I had like gone to smack him and he grabbed my tail and he could have lashed out. He could have retaliated. He could have hit back at me, but he didn't. And he decided to just give me this look. And I was like, and that was when I was like, oh, I'm not getting in trouble here. What's going on? And so that morbid curiosity of like, I'm just going to keep pestering and seeing what he does and just kind of noticing how he took in her her behaviors and what didn't really react in the way that she had expected that was when she was kind of like oh okay this is this is something different gotcha that's funny <laughs> do do gooder has a penchant for the bad girl yeah, yeah and the bad soul. girl pushing boundaries finds that she has has met someone who can meet her where she's at pretty much who can Mm -hmm. not tolerate but kind of like play along like entertain yeah her own because he definitely didn't like it like it was apparent that he didn't like that kind of attention but he put up with it and he was tolerant especially in front of his guards yeah (laughs) yeah i'm trying i'm trying to command here and she's slapping me (laughs) I'm I'm in charge. It's a very difficult time to hold things together. <laughs> yeah. It made it interesting, especially, for sure. Yeah. yeah, especially being an overwhelmed, like very like stiff do-gooder. I guess mm-hmm. you would say, from her perspective, just being. Yeah, you're you're definitely you're definitely the uh, butt of a few jokes and and the source <laughs> of entertainment and attention in the encampment among the other soldiers if you're the <laughs> oh boy that that would even be fun to listen in on just like a what would go on behind the scenes in his own realm from, oh yeah from his like his band of people well the story of azatara and volvega is not completely over yet <laughs> oh something happening um but that that's a mystery we can't can't disclose that on here (laughs) because all the people who don't listen to me won't actually hear it but oh well 
Well, we look forward to a follow-up or a continuation the of this. millions of people that listen to this podcast are going <laughs> to know what's going to happen. Now, now, don't get ahead of ourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, I I love this character. Like, it's... it's It's got a very great arc in the sense of, like, endearment and then, like, empowerment and just playfulness. And it's it's just such a fun journey to explore. It was really fun playing her. It was, like, going through the journey with her. Because at first, like, I every time I start a character, it's like, I don't know how this is going to go. I don't know how this person, how this character is going to roll. I don't know how this person is going to be in role play like I'm just creating this character and, and putting it out there and seeing what happens but with her I was very pleasantly surprised with where her story led her because I was not expecting it to go in any way that she had had her story go yeah Are you... go ahead oh I was gonna say and that that brings up a whole thing because we've talked about like her love interest and how bold she was but she also had this very vulnerable side as well Mm -hmm. um she she acted tough but had that strong and i think that's part of the reason what kind of drew her to volvega too is because she was tough but she also needed like a rock because she was in very uncertain times but um he was a safe place as a do-gooder yeah hurt her Mm -hmm. and was a safe place for her vulnerability and but with that, she was under contract with this um, demon lord who was trying to control her, and so it was this—it was a such an interesting dynamic to watch Morgan play, because she was this very badass fighter, you know, always in charge of things, always bold, leading, outspoken. bold, outspoken, and like no bars hold. And yet there was this, like you were mentioning when she was alone and in her private time, she was very vulnerable and scared. And so it was almost like this whole bold front that she was putting out was just, it was a mask that she wore. Um, How was it playing that? Um, So I, I'm still getting comfortable with the whole role play. I'm very shy when it comes to that. Cause like, I don't want to get made fun of, but since our group role played, very well it was like I felt safe to kind of delve into that mindset of what she would be in and so it actually felt kind of like real it made the story feel kind of real experiencing that for her of like seeing the smoke in her room from her dream and seeing all the visions that she would have and just being alone by herself and knowing that you know she has this contract on her she has this this like bounty on her because she basically escaped from hell without permission and so it was, it made it easier to kind of identify her motives and identify her personality by playing, playing those parts like that. Um, so it was, it was kind of enlightening, I would say. Yeah. And this contract that she had on her was actually a contract to kill or bring home one of the other players in the group, which caused a lot of tension within the group. And mm-hmm. If I remember right, there's a there's one session where in character you and this other character that you were sent to kill had like this whole argument and it was just so me as a DM, I was just kind of like sitting back and just watching the show happen and you guys were so into it that I I think I almost like 
I thought about breaking up because like is is are they actually acting right now or is this actually real? Because it was it was so intense and it it literally gave me chills. <laughs> um, but it was so cool to see you play that, but still have a good relationship with the other player as well. You did a very good job of keeping it in the game and not letting it get personal. Yeah, well, I mean, if you also noticed with her in that in that scenario, she was very angry. I think it was the bathroom when they were talking in the bathroom about like, why does she want to kill her and like all this? Mm-hmm. And they kind of, all the cards were laid out. Um, they actually developed a really strong relationship and they called the, called each other tiefling sisters. And so it was, it was kind of funny, like how um, intense that situation was and how it ended with them being such close friends was like really interesting to me how that, that, dynamic just switched in such a short amount of time after such an intense heated conversation right as we're exploring more of the dynamics of your character um i'm i'm curious are you because you said you come in you came into at least this character uh not having any expectation of an arc or a plan for her are you a planner in real life or more yes. of a <laughs> yes I am a super planner. Um, we're moving in about six weeks and I brought home boxes yesterday and I'm like, okay, we're going to start packing. And my boyfriend's like, uh, no, we're not going to, we need to, we need to wait. So I like to know what's happening when it happens. Um, and kind of getting like an outline of how things are going to go. It's I'm very to a T like my classroom to my schedule every single day. We don't mess with the schedule. We do the schedule, how the schedule is every day, unless something like terrible happens or we need to do something completely different, but I like knowing what to expect and knowing how things are going to pan out. Um, but I guess with D and D in general, it's kind of that you don't know where the story is going to go. You don't know what's behind that door or what's going to happen if you fight this villain or you don't. And so it's, it's kind of a relief in a way that I don't, I don't have to do the planning on that. Like I just get to play it and see where it goes. Um, so that way I'm kind of okay with it. Was that kind of a, a stretch for you as a person to let essentially me be in control of the planning for you? Was that something that you obviously like once you were doing it, it was kind of relief, like you mentioned, but was that decision to do that hard? Mm, I Honestly, I'd say no. I think that I kind of liked the aspect of trying to figure it out, trying to um, – figure out what's going on, who's going to be who, what's going to happen around here. Like, I thought it was almost like a relief kind of thing, like almost like a, like a mystery. Like I get to figure it out kind of thing. So in a way I kind of felt like I was in control because I was figuring it out by my, like with myself and my group members, but it was kind of fun. Like not, not knowing it was, it was kind of relieving. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. So have you carried that into your real life of like, you, you're okay with less of a plan now because you're yeah, so I actually um, have a – I am a huge advocate for therapy. Even if you're healthy, you should you should see a therapist because they will help you with things that you didn't even know you needed help with. Um, so I went to – yes, so I went to a therapist that she told me to just accept the um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Accept the unknown. This may or may not happen. I may or may not get that job tomorrow, but stressing about it right now is not going to help me in this situation um I may or may not you know pass my finals but I can just do my test right now and do the best I can or things like what happens if a hurricane comes through 
I don't know. I don't know if it will or not. I don't know how that possibility would work. So it's kind of like that mindset also helps with the D&D a little bit too, just because it's like that, I don't know what's going to happen. And um, just accepting that that uncomfortableness of not knowing um, is what one thing that I really learned. And it it that in itself has helped me with my life as well as kind of with, um, I actually kind of started with another group too. It was very tentative, not really, um, not very consistent, but they would randomly have, have sessions. They'd say, let's have a session this day at this time. Let's have a session this day at this time. And I had to like allow that uncontrollable schedule to just happen and just be okay with it and just not plan just, Hey, they wanted to get together that day. Okay. We'll get together that day kind of thing. So it's in a way it kind of helped me with the game in my life all around. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's really cool. And mm-hmm. it, it was funny you mentioned, like, if there's a hurricane tomorrow, I'm like, we're in Arizona. If there's a hurricane tomorrow, we got bigger issues going on. Yeah. Like, well, there's we, something we've seriously had some wrong. Geo- major geographical changes. <laughs> yeah. The- well, Sorry, the California. You're not there anymore. Yeah. Well, the brain likes to plan. Like, it's, it's scientifically yes. proven that the brain likes to finish everything, every question that you have. And so it's kind of like the thing of what if I have a heart attack or what if I get in a car wreck today? So you never want to get in your car ever again. And it's kind of like that. I don't know. I, this could or could not happen. I just got to get in my car and drive and find out kind of thing. And that's in a way that's kind of like how I started D and D in the first place too. I don't know how this D and D is going to go. I just got to find a group and figure it out kind of thing. Like, it's just, I, I love that. I learned that. So it's, it's just really helpful with anything. I love that and your like journey of like navigating trusting people in the sense of, of just how your arc has come in in playing D&D where you came through these these groups or relationships and and finding your trust and or trust in yourself or your character self in a sense to be mm-hmm. to be the who they are or to um, play out the dynamics with one another and, you know, who to be like, okay, well, you know, those were nice lessons. That's no longer a part of my life and, and continue extending and, and reaching out and right. learning to, to put yourself out there and learning to trust again and again and again, and taking those lessons and seeing where it goes. Some would say it's a fault. <laughs> Some would say that it's a fault. <laughs> kind of depends on how you look at it. You put a really positive spin on it. Sometimes I think of myself as too trusting, as too gullible. Um, and so that's gotten me that's gotten me into some of these situations. What's yeah. that? We're all a little bit demerish. We're all a little at the Tara, you know. Right. And I, I think that um the yin and yang. I think that mm-hmm. anything can come anything to an extreme can either can be one of those. It can be a negative, you know, being too mm-hmm. nice, being, you know, too anything can be turned into like a, a fault in a sense in that that Too way much of anything is a bad thing yeah True. um speaking of finding a balance and too much of anything how how have you or did you find playing uh was it as a tara is that mm-hmm. the right pronunciation yes playing her character has she helped you like feel empowered or embody um more of yourself or be able to be more vulnerable, like expe- express vulnerability. Um, playing I feel like it might be the. 
I think it might be the other way around, actually. I think, like, I personally gained, like, a, a power over myself. Like, I was going through a really hard time when I joined Jonathan's group personally. Mm. And I overcame what was stopping me. And so I felt really empowered. And so I feel like maybe that had a lot to do with making Azatar the way that she is. Because I was the one that became empowered. And then I figured out. Yeah, it kind of was an expression of that. I never really thought of it in that way, but kind of looking back on it, it makes sense that that's how that would have happened. Um, hmm. And I'm trying to think. I was going to say something else, but I forgot it. Yeah, I forgot. I'll let you know if I remember. I was asking about, about um, how your journey of playing the character as a Tara has, how has oh, it enabled you vulnerability or empowerment-wise? Yeah. So, I mean, I definitely felt, oh, that's what I was going to say. I definitely felt empowered during the sessions too, because we came in halfway through this, like through the campaign. So like everyone was established and I was the newbie. And so playing Damaris, it kind of felt like I was the newbie, but playing as a tar, was like, I'm established now. And so I felt confident in the group to play a confident character because I didn't feel like the newbie anymore. So it, it did affect me personally. The newbie well. got stuck in the bush again. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Well, because Bradley kept giving me all kinds of crap for it. And I was like, I'm just trying. I know he was just joking around, but at the same time, it was like, I'm just just trying to make this character work, but she's not working. <laughs> <laughs> she's just too authentically herself. <laughs> seriously. She should not like that character. I don't know, maybe that speaks to the power that was kind of there all along in the sense of even the dice embodied, like played who this who this character was. She was just meant then, to be who she was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like it's like that's the empowerment just it was there, she but was it was meant to die. <laughs> not meant to die. Not meant to die. I'm just saying that there there was such the empowerment there was that she was just so true to herself like authentically Damaris and then you come into no matter how much of a fault yeah there was. was just there was just nothing you could do about it she was who you know she just embodied herself so authentically and then to come into a rebirth and on the other side as as Atara just being an expression of that in like a realm or in a way like through an empowerment that Damaris wanted so much to be and it was like the fulfillment of that yeah and one thing i wanted to talk about too is i've after hearing your story you've you've mentioned that you've been in these different groups and each group you've kind of learned something from them mm -hmm. and it's kind of developed how you play and who you are when you joined my group i'm very heavy on the story side of it Mm -hmm. Was that something that you had been kind of leading up to in the other groups? Or is that something that you've already kind of established so that the time you got to my group, it was just, yeah, that's what I do? Um, I would say I was starting to scratch the surface of it. Um, the very first campaign I played, I feel like I was really good at storytelling and being this character, but then... I just was like, I had like a block with the, with the next campaign that I did with my character. And so I felt that block still when I was playing Dimeris a little bit. And then it kind of loosened more and I was able to find that, that 
uh, original spunk that I had with my very first campaign. So it was almost kind of like a wave. Like I was doing it perfectly. I wouldn't say perfectly, but I was doing it really well. And then I was like stuck. I was like, I don't know how to role play. I don't know how to mm. play this person. And then once I got comfortable again, it was like something just clicked and it was like, oh yeah, this is how I role play again. So it was, it kind of unlocked that for me again. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I hope you continue to develop that because you're, you're an awesome role player and yeah. you're always welcome at our table and, um, or on the podcast. You're always welcome at the Dimension Door Tavern because I don't think <laughs> I've said that yet on the podcast, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to know, where do you see yourself going with D&D? Like, what what do you feel yourself changing or developing that you're excited to do in your next campaign? Um, definitely not a weeknight campaign again. <laughs> so <laughs> I definitely have found that weekends, I need to be on the weekends. And um, that's when I can give my full and my all because I've... I apologize, but I started falling asleep some days because it was Thursday night and it was like Friday the next day. I was just like, oh, I can't. So definitely Saturdays to give my all for sure. Um, And that's with this other group that I kind of was bouncing around in. They did all Friday nights or Saturdays, which the Friday nights were terrible, but the Saturdays were fine. Um, And I think going forward, I have done a one shot with that group. So I definitely wouldn't mind the experience of learning to DM a little bit here and there. Um, I can kind of see that. And my one shot was completely like homebrewed too. And it was pretty cool. So I was pretty happy with that. So that gave me the courage to be able to do that. But I feel like now I just really got to work on being intentional with a lot of my stuff. Cause a lot of my, my role play was just, what am I saying in this moment? What's just going to come out of my mouth? How am I just going to do this? Like what's, <laughs> what's going to be the most fun thing to do. But I feel like now as a player, and with having having so much D&D under my belt and having that experience as the one like one time DM or kind of stuff like that, it's like now I want to be more intentional with my actions and what with what she says and with what I choose as well. Like I really want to create those faults in my character and create those mm-hmm. strengths, create all this, be really intentional while I'm picking my character, not just how can I make it the most OP or have the coolest stuff. Like where did this wand come from or where did this attribute come from? Stuff like that. So I think that that would be my 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 goal where I see myself is making a more intentional character and playing more intentional games on weekends. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I I I can definitely say that making the switch, I I always want my players to experience being a DM. Mm-hmm. Because when you make that switch from being a player to DM, you see the game in a totally different side, a totally mm-hmm. different light. And I, I have to admit that as a player, when I first started playing d and I always wanted my character to be super cool, super, like, I didn't want him to be overpowered. I, I, I wanted this sense of realism to him still, but I just wanted him to be good at all of what they do. And then after I got to be a DM and I'm making all these NPCs and all these characters that are, like, deeply flawed or useless and everything, and I, you just dive into those characters that you start thinking like, man, there is such a side to D&D, that, this massive side to D&D that is just fun to play mm-hmm. as, as a fault-filled character, as someone who gets gets lost, almost drowns in the sewer, as someone who <laughs> almost gets eaten by a bush. Like, it's so much fun to play those characters 
because they're just that's where the imagination of D and D lives. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can be this all powerful character and rule the galaxy or whatever, but just having that those little moments, those little tiny things that happen that add a laugh here or there, mm-hmm. just that just what's make the game for me now. And so every time I build a character, in fact, the last character I played was this um, halfling barbarian <laughs> who wanted so badly to be a barbarian, but he was so weak and so incapable of actually being a barbarian. Um, and then he had like this flip side where he'd go, the, the axe he had was like this cursed axe. It would make him go into a blood rage. And then he was actually capable of doing what he did, but he wouldn't remember anything that he did. Um but just so he was like this super prim, proper dude who just like um, was all royal court and just super prim and proper. I, I kind of base his personality off of C3PO from Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so picture three CPO trying to be a barbarian. <laughs> like that's who this character was. <laughs> it was so much fun to play. That sounds really cool. I like that. Yeah. I, I'm so excited to see where you go as a player and as a DM. Um, definitely definitely want to play with you again at some point. Maybe this, maybe next time you can be the DM and I'll be the player. But. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if we can work it out with schedules and with arranging, because yes. we're moving a little bit closer, but we're still going to be in the East Valley and everything. But It'd be really nice to to get everyone that I know around, so I don't feel so scared like right. DMing. Like I know that I can mess up in front of these people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think we should give ourselves a little bit of permission. As as you were talking, some of the things about like flaws and just having like those human moments. I was it was almost one of those things of a character of like that feels like the nostalgia of the human experience. And I think in real life, maybe we should just give ourselves a little grace in the sense of like making mistakes in to a certain extent of some sense. It's just learning. It's yeah. just learning. And that's, yeah. that's okay. And it's a good thing. Yeah. I think it mm-hmm. was, um, was it Ben Franklin? I think it was Ben Franklin. Could be wrong, but he said, I haven't failed. I've only found a thousand ways that don't work. Mm. <laughs> um, I could see that being Ben Franklin. Yeah, I like that. Just something that you know, we 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 all learn, and we learn most through failure than we do success. Because um, mm-hmm. you can succeed at something, and you you're you're like, oh, okay, that's what I do. But when you fail, you're like, oh, that's what I can't do or shouldn't do. And so it's often in those moments that we learn more. Hmm. I would agree with that. Yeah. That sounds something true to Thomas Edison and the it's the light bulb, right? Oh, it might have been mm-hmm. Thomas Edison that said that, not Ben Franklin. Like I haven't I'm, I'm he's like found now. a thousand ways not to create a light bulb or something like that. It might have been Thomas Edison. Yeah. Something something about when you said I it just, just sparked a light checked. in me. <laughs> I just got fact checked. Uh let's see. I have I'm Googling this right now to uh to settle the debate. Oh no. <laughs> I've not failed. I've just found 10,000 ways that don't work was said by Thomas Edison. Oh nice. I'm sorry. 
I was wrong. I made a mistake. Oh, no. But you know what? I've learned from it. That's, that's the nostalgia of being human. I'm only human, guys, okay? There's like I'm a not, I'm not Christina a Perry man. song or something. I'm only human. Yeah. This, this I bleed girl I is only human. I love that. I feel like everything like this podcast and the character and everything has come so full circle with your development between Damaris and Azatara and then being a player from your origins to now considering like, wow, I feel empowered enough to try D&D or I mean to try DMing in D&D. And now we come to just the human experience and giving ourselves grace to learn. And it's, it's, it's been very satisfying, to be honest. <laughs> That's what we do with the Dimension Door. Yeah, that was really fun. I learned a lot of stuff. It's like therapy. I learned a lot of stuff by myself that I didn't even know. <laughs> or about okay. my I didn't even know. I'm so glad you said that because that's actually the reason we're starting this podcast. And that's the reason we have this podcast is D&D is therapy. Mm-hmm. And there's so many things that you can you can get your frustrations out. You can you can you can confront things in your life. You can realize things about yourself by playing it through this character. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that's helped me a lot in my personal life of playing D and D and, and living my life. And, and, and so that's why I wanted to start this podcast and go into these dimensions of exploring how D and D, cause I feel like it's a topic that's not really discussed a whole lot. Yeah. Um, every time there's a D&D podcast, they're, they're talking about the rules, they talk about the backstory, and they talk about all these really cool things that are super interesting, but no one really ever touches just how therapeutic D&D can be. And I want to get that message out there to show people. The, um, the story of the player, not just the story yeah. of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so thank you. You you have definitely expressed that very well tonight. And that's why I was so excited to have you on here. I've literally been like telling Allison, like, I'm so excited for Morgan because I feel like she really has embodied that um, as a player. And um, yeah, so, so much fun to walk, talking with you. Thank definitely. You. I have enjoyed this immensely. It's been such a pleasure having you as our guest today and just getting to lo- learn more about you and your characters and your D&D experience. So thank you so much for joining us on this adventure. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. Now, one last thing. Yeah. Before we let you go, I'm just curious to know, what would what advice would you give to a D&D player who's not really sure of themselves and not really, well, someone who's wanting to start to play D&D and to play characters, but not really sure of themselves to do so? Just do it. Just do, Just it. do it. Yep. Don't. It's like it's like ripping a bandaid off or jumping off of the diving board. Like you can think about it all you want and not get anywhere, or you can just do it and you did it. And what 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 can you say? Either it didn't work or it worked. And most of the time, it works. So why not just do it? Just get it over with. Just do it, and you might end up with a bag of candy. Yeah. <laughs> or two. In my case, I got two. Pick your spoils. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be pretty much for anything in life, too. Like, if you want it, go do it. What's the worst that can happen? Unless it's murder. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, darn. My weekend plans are ruined now. Oh, man. Uh, (laughs) All right. Well, we'll let you go. 
Um, but it's been such a pleasure talking to you. Yes, thank you so thank much for you. coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You are welcome at the Dimension Door Tavern anytime. I'll be there. <laughs> All right. We had such a great time with you all today. If you enjoyed our show, please follow us and hit the notification bell. Share this podcast with your friends, family, D&D group, or other adventures. Also, we'd greatly appreciate a five-star review and would love to hear from you. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest at the Tavern, send us an email. You can find our links in the description. Well, it's closing time here at the Dimension Door, but we are so excited for another adventure together next Thursday, right here at the Dimension Door Tavern.